Are you a CTA rider? Have you been ghosted by a bus or train? If so, you are not alone. WBEZ recently conducted a survey of CTA riders and received nearly 2,000 responses. 89% of riders say they'd experienced problems in the last 30 days. Some of the key complaints, delays, buses that just don't show up, safety and cleanliness. Here to give us insight into the informal survey and what it reveals about the CTA rider experience is WBEZ editor Cassie Walker-Burke. Welcome back, Cassie. Thank you. Good to see you. You too. Also here, Courtney Kippers, WBEZ digital producer and reporter. Hey, Courtney. Hi, Sasha. And we're taking your calls. Have you been ghosted by the bus? Have you experienced significant delays on your commute? How does that impact the rest of your day? Give us a call now at 866-915-WBEZ. That is 866-915-WBEZ. All right, Cassie, I'm looking at you here to start us off. Why did your team want to undertake this survey project in the first place? You know, anybody who'd ridden the CTA last year, they were coming back to work, you know, people where the ridership was starting to come back slowly. But anybody who rode the CTA, you'd hear grumblings, you'd hear complaints. And and the agency itself had been called to testify in front of the city council. And there had been actually quite a debate about what whether the president was going to show up. And that was about September that there was a city council hearing that was scheduled. The president of the CTA did not appear. And so I think that even just added fuel to the fire. Also remember that in August, the agency itself acknowledged that there was a lot of things that had been happening. Uh, the pandemic had hurt ridership, that they were having their own workforce issues. And so they had unveiled a meeting the moment plan. And so what we wanted to do was just try to understand, just get to the heart of what are writers experiences? What are the daily on the ground stories? And, and what were the biggest concerns? And so we started the survey project in November. Mm-hmm. And I have to say the response surprised even us. Within two weeks, we had about 2,000 responses, and that's what we analyzed. And we continue to get responses. Those numbers are even higher now. Yeah. So to tell us more about how you went about actually doing it in November. How did you engage people to actually participate? Or did it not take much? You know, it, we did try to actually find some different ways of reaching writers. We, we started, of course, with our own website, WBEZ.org, and we had a story and a survey that people could take. We shared that on social media. We went to our different channels. We emailed the folks who su- subscribe to our newsletters and, and interact with us. But we really wanted to hear from more writers who may not even have a relationship with WBEZ. And so we actually reached out to more than 100 community organizations and also, I believe, 86 libraries. And we sent our survey with a QR code out into the world. And we sent that. We, there were ways you could text us and take the survey. There were ways you could scan the QR code. And so that brought in riders from different parts of the city, okay. from suburban Cook County, and I think really brought in the survey response. And we did see quite an uptake after we did that. Were you seeing a, an age range as well, Courtney? Yeah, riders between 25 and 34 were the largest percentage of our survey takers. They made up about 34% of the response, followed by people about 35 to 44. But we had folks in their 50s and 60s, uh, also younger folks. About 7% of our respondents were under the age of 24. So we heard from a wide variety of folks. And a wide variety of zip codes, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. We had responses from 113 zip codes in the city and in suburban Cook. Did you, Cassie, break things down when it comes to race and gender demographics? What did that look like? We did. We had about the same number of women and people who identify as women and men take the survey. And about 10% of survey takers 
were either identified themselves as trans or non-gender conforming or did not want to share their gender. And we felt like that was important, particularly with the safety question, how people identified with their gender, with whether they had a different perception of how safe they felt. By race, we had about three quarters of the survey takers identified as white, okay. about 9% identified as Latino, and about 5% identified as black. Um, one thing I will note is that we did look at the survey responses by race to see if for some reason there were different concerns that might that might populate, for example, among Latino survey takers. And we did find that did the find general something? concerns, no, were about the same across. And I will say, going back to the safety question, that, that men, women, and people who did not identify a gender also had about the same response when it came to safety. There wasn't a perception of safety that was higher um, among men, for example. Yeah. And we'll dig into safety in, in a little bit. A reminder that we're taking your calls. Tell us, have you experienced significant delays or ghost buses or any other concerns when riding the CTA? Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, we want to hear from you. Call us now at 866-915-WBEZ with your CTA stories. I'm sure you've got some. Uh, Courtney, so we've talked about ghost buses, um, delays, safety, cleanliness. Which of those concerns would you say came up most often? We heard a lot about the ghost buses and trains. And, of course, that's when the tracker says a bus or train is coming and then it doesn't show up. Over and over again, riders told us about their frustrations with that. Uh, They told us they understand the challenges that CTA is facing, but that it's so frustrating when the tracker says that a bus or train is coming and you head out to a station or a stop and then the bus or train doesn't show uh, and people, you know, are left waiting out in the cold or can end up being late for appointments or school or things like that. Yeah, I hear that from my kids a lot. They take CTA every day to get to and from school. And that's the same thing that they say is uh, it said it's going to show up. And, you know, so they have like three of us essentially at the same time looking at different apps, trying to figure it out. <laughs> They'll call me at home like, what does it say for you? What does it say for you? And you know, then we pretty much get nowhere. Um, cleanliness and hygiene, that also came up, Courtney, and, and smoking on the train, that came up a bunch. What? People are really frustrated about how much smoking is happening, particularly on trains, we heard, not as much on buses. Um, and this is something we asked the agency about, and they are aware of. I mean, are um, they seeing people actually smoking, or are they just, like, smelling you know, the the sense. A little bit of both. A little bit of okay. both. We heard, you know, that people say that stations smell like smoke. And then actually on our website, you can see we have a photo of somebody uh, smoking on a train. So it's something that's out there. You heard complaints about feces, too? Yeah, we did. We did. We heard that I quite a few times um, and smelling like urine and people seeing vomit and things like that. Oh, wow. So do you have a sense, Cassie, of how respondents think that the pandemic affected some of this. That was one of the things, it's an interesting question, because that was one of the things we were trying to get a, to the heart of. Did people feel like service had declined, cleanliness had declined since the pandemic? And there was a sense that the pandemic had impacted both the regularity of service and the reliability of service and also the cleanliness on the trains. And I think that people do have, what's interesting is that there's such a thread of sympathy and empathy throughout this survey. People really appreciate the CTA, both as a public service, the value of the CTA, the fact that the agency has not raised prices. There's just such a deep appreciation. They also said really kind things about bus drivers and train operators and security guards. And I think that people really the folks who at least took our survey, they really were trying to rally around in some ways this agency. At the same time, 
They're extremely frustrated with where the agency is now and the service that they're getting. And we heard a lot about this agency being in some ways a public face of the city, that when tourists come or people come visit, that this is something they experience and that people want it better, not just for themselves in the daily commute, but actually for the city's own reputation. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. If you're just tuning in, we're talking about the CTA. WBEZ conducted an informal survey of riders to hear their concerns and, and what questions they have for the transit agency. Nearly 2,000 people actually responded to this, and we're talking with WBEZ's Cassie Walker-Burke and Courtney Kippers. As a reminder, we're taking your calls, too. That number is 866-915-WBEZ. Cassie, you, you brought it up earlier. Safety, another big concern of respondents. Talk to us about the things that you were hearing. Well, people are divided um, pretty, pretty cleanly, actually, on this one. And so we asked people to rate how safe they felt on basically a scale of one to four. So I feel very safe, um, somewhat safe, somewhat unsafe, and very unsafe. And what's interesting is that we saw about half and half, about slightly under half of writers said they felt somewhat unsafe or very unsafe, and about a similar percentage said they felt fairly, fairly safe, I'm sorry. And then on the extremes, it was about the same number, slightly more saying they felt very unsafe. And when we did and what surprised me is when we looked at it by gender, we saw about the same. And and so it was interesting. People said one thread we did here was that people who have to take public transit later at night mm-hmm. or earlier in the morning to get to early morning jobs or on the weekends. We did hear a lot about how they felt like when there are fewer riders overall, that was when that they really felt this sort of. Um, this feeling of, of, sa- of feeling unsafe and that they were actually making other choices during that time if they could, if they had the means to yeah. do that. That's, yeah, that, that's a tough one. And I understand, Courtney, that one respondent even mentioned they were threatened with a meat cleaver. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and we actually spoke with that writer for the story. He was on the red line on his way home from work when a woman who was selling alcohol on the train pulled out that meat cleaver uh, and said she was going to cut him. And eventually a man behind her grabbed it out of her hand. And so yeah. that situation was diffused. Uh, that writer shared with us that another time he saw a woman kick a man in the neck. So these are the type of incidents we heard about. Wow. Well, speaking of the red line, let's go to the phones because Connor is waiting. Hey, Connor. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. What's your experience been? Um, well, I haven't had much delays with the buses, but with the red line specifically, I've had some really bad delays in the last, uh, say, month or two. Just last weekend, I was waiting for the red line at uh, probably like 5 or 6 o'clock trying to get downtown. And the the uh, signs, the digital signs are on the platform tell you, you know, when the trains are coming in six minutes and then four minutes and then two minutes. Then it bounced back to six minutes again. That happened two times in a row. Eventually, I just had to bite the bullet and take one of the local trains, the, the brown line, to get downtown, which is significantly slower. And when you're trying to get to somewhere on time, whether it's a job or an event, mm-hmm. you know, that can really mess up your routine. Yeah. Connor, so sorry that that, that happened, but it, it sounds like it's it's a, becoming more of a familiar story. Appreciate you sharing that. And and Connor, of course, having to figure out an alternative in, in the midst of that, right? That, that seems like something that folks have been saying. Exactly. That is something people have been saying. And I I should say that the agency itself has acknowledged this problem and the agency really ties it back to a workforce, a workforce shortage. And so when there are both, you know, when they have fewer bus and train operators, but also when people don't show up for work, for example, there were a lot of call offs among uh, CTA employees on New Year's Eve that then they have to revert back to fewer, fewer trains. And so I think this this happens a lot. Yeah. Well, here's Ashley in Lakeview. Hey, Ashley, welcome to Reset. 
Hi. Hi. What's been your experience Hi. on the CTA? Yeah, so I live right by the Brown Line, and I thought I would be taking it a lot more when I moved to Chicago, but it tends to not show up, especially on the weekends. And so I just know that if I'm not leaving with extra, extra time, it's not worth it, and I end up driving anyways. Yeah, exactly. Another alternative. Thanks for calling, Ashley. Appreciate your time. Let's hear from Marlene in Forest Park. Hey, Marlene. Hi there. I, I just wanted to say... I've been, I'm old, I've retired a couple of years ago, thank goodness, and trying to ride the CTA has been very unsuccessful for me. I recently gave it another chance because I live right by the end of the blue line and ended up having some funny sensation on my left side from the guy that was sitting there, and I realized he was reaching for my pocket. And as soon as I said, hey, don't, don't be doing that or something, he got up and ran to the next car. Wow, I'm so, so sorry. Not only do we have the delays, we have we have the same kind of problem. I'd like to see the Red Berets come back. Mm. Marlene, thank you so much for calling. I'm so sorry that you had to deal with that situation. I hope everything worked out okay in the end. Uh, you know, Courtney, Marlene you know, brings up a good point here. The number of reported robberies in Chicago increased last year. And, and I know at least one CTA writer from that survey that we did here at WBEZ reported an attempted pickpocketing, just like what Marlene experienced. What else did you hear about theft on buses and the trains? Yeah, we heard a lot about sort of overall safety concerns. I think Cassie mentioned about half of riders told us that they have felt somewhat unsafe when riding a bus or train. So that was definitely a through line that we heard from folks. Accessibility also came up a lot on the survey to broken uh, elevators, um, escalators that are out of order, not enough places to sit. What else did folks say? Yeah, riders told us about this a lot, that even when a station has an elevator or an escalator, they'll get there and it'll be out of order. And this is something that we put to the agency and asked them about. And they actually told us that they are proud of what they call their uptime or how often escalators and elevators are operating as they should be. But they also named uh, a lot of obstacles that they face in fixing this equipment. Uh, For example, a lot of times the equipment's outside, exposed to the elements, and they get a lot of foot traffic on the escalators at CTA stations. And also, a lot of times the CTA escalators are old, sometimes 50 years or older. So the agency says that that all contributes to sometimes those being out longer than they would like. Mm -hmm. And Cassie, you've mentioned this a few times, but we have been talking about issues but there was was a lot of appreciation for the CTA throughout this the survey. There was. And I, I think that people really understand that the stress of the pandemic, the complications of running a large transit agency in a city like Chicago, where you see a lot of the city's issues kind of at the front door. You see, you know, we have a problem with homelessness here. We see homeless people on the train. We have a problem with crime here. We see crime on the train in mm-hmm. some ways that what we're seeing on the trains are things that we're seeing in this city. I think people understand that. But I think what they want is to hear more from the agency about what the agency is going to do. And I should say here that the agency did debut last fall a series of scorecards. 
and they're tracking their own improvement. And that includes wait times for buses and trains. And you can look at those scorecards online and you can see that they've had, even in the few months they've been tracking, they've had some up and downs themselves. Things were starting to improve. The January scorecard isn't as great. Mm -hmm. I think December was a tough time for call-offs with the agency. And so I, I do think that there is this acknowledgement. And the last thing I should say is that transit systems across the country are experiencing problems. Ridership is down. It's not a surprise. A lot of people are still working from home. And so I think that trying to understand what we wanted to undertake here was just trying to understand how in this moment, what it feels like and what people want the agency to do. Yeah. Cassie Walker-Burke is our external editor working with freelance reporters. And Courtney Kippers is a WBEZ digital producer. You can read their full story at wbez.org slash CTA survey. And they'll be sticking around to tell us how the transit agency responded to all of these concerns that we've been laying out. That is up next on Reset. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've been talking about concerns of CTA riders. WBEZ recently conducted an informal survey, and we got thousands of responses and questions from riders. Our colleagues combed through the comments and then posed those questions to the Vice President of Communications and Marketing for the CTA. Cassie Walker-Burke is a WBEZ external editor, and Courtney Kippers is a WBEZ digital producer and reporter. And they're still with us to tell us what they learned from CTA leadership. We're also taking your calls. So what has your experience riding the CTA been like over the past few months? Give us a call at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, our number is 866-915-WBEZ, and we'll bring you on the show live. All right, Cassie, we talked about this a bit earlier, but I know that you reached out to CTA President Dorval Carter several times. Your requests, though, they were denied. What did the agency say? The agency told us, and we did eventually... um, interview the vice president of marketing communications, as you acknowledge. But the agency told us that that Carter was traveling now and doing quite a bit of transit advocacy on a national level. Again, um, nodding to the fact that many agencies across the country, every agency across the country is struggling with sort of the same thing, both the decline in ridership due to the pandemic, but then also um, cli- uh, essentially fiscal cliffs that were created because they're not able to really raise their prices. We have an inflationary economy. The cost of everything is going up, including what they need to hire people that mm-hmm. work for shortages were ubiquitous across cities. And that the the federal money, some of the federal infrastructure money was not coming through as they had hoped. And so the Carter's doing this advocacy nationally and wasn't able to speak to us. It would be nice to hear directly from President Carter, though. It would. And, and I will say that in our survey, riders want to hear from the president. And they specifically mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, how did you decide which questions? You had a bunch of questions, Courtney, and, and comments. How did you decide which ones from the survey to ask Brian Steele from the CTA? Yeah, we went through the nearly 2,000 replies we got, and we pulled out the questions that we heard over and over again. And I should say the questions that we put forward to Brian Steele were questions exactly as writers had asked them. So they were not our own questions. They were questions that we received from writers and presented to the agency on their behalf. So we asked questions about a lot of the topics we've been talking about, um, how to accurately track trains and buses, what they're doing about crime on trains, cleanliness, et cetera, those types of things. Yeah. Earlier you mentioned, Cassie, that meeting the moment improvement plan that the CTA is uh, rolling out. 
Give us the details there. The crux of the plan is really trying to address the workforce shortage. And so the agency is really doing some interesting things to try to recruit more drivers and, and operators. And one of the things that they're doing is raising they're raising the hourly pay. So I believe it's about $28 an hour now, up from 24 the starting pay. Um for many of these jobs. And another thing that they're doing that's really interesting is you used to have to have a commercial driver's license, a CDL, to be able to even apply. Yeah. Now the agency is having these workforce fairs. Well, they'll, they'll actually, you can come in, you can apply without the CDL. They'll start you on the path to that, that license. They'll pay for it. They'll sign you up for the class. They'll make it pretty easy. And it turns out it only takes a few weeks. And so I think they're really trying to lower the barrier for these jobs, which, you know, makes a lot of sense because I think there's about six hundred people that they're still trying to hire. I want to spend a, a moment here highlighting the scale of the CTA. Even though our ridership is down from pre-pandemic, we are still carrying uh, just shy of 900,000 riders on an average weekday. That's the equivalent of the entire population of Indianapolis, more than the entire population of Denver and Boston. This is a massive organization, Cassie. It is. It is a massive organization. And when you think about everything that they manage, there are trains, there's buses, they have to think about um, who to staff and when. And and so I think there's a lot. The, the agency also is has a relationship, a longstanding relationship with the Chicago Police Department, but it has pledged to work more with private security companies. So they've just doubled the number of private security guards. So on top of all of this, they're also now managing private security companies. And so when you think about just all the moving pieces here, there's a lot. Yeah. Let's jump back to the phones. Here is Bill in Morgan Park. Hey, Bill. Welcome to Reset. Hi. Yeah. Um, so so my thing is about the, uh, the tracking system. I think most of us understand about the uh, shortage of drivers and engineers and are sympathetic to that, but we want accurate information. Um, there were two different times. This was about a month ago, though where <clears throat> once on a Saturday and then the following Sunday, I got to the 95th station at um, at 8.30 in the evening and waited until 10.30 when the last bus would have been long gone. And it kept saying there was going to be a bus, and then it would stop and say delayed, and then it would stop and say no information. And eventually no bus ever came. And the rest of us that were waiting just ended up having to make our own arrangements. And that happened two weekends in a row, once on a Saturday, once on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I understand that this was probably an issue with not having buses or not having drivers, but the, the tracking system misled us so often. Yeah. And still, while it seems better, I still keep having these ones where it's no information available or it'll come at a different time than what it's set on the tracker. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they're making any progress on that. Yeah, let's dig into that. First of all, thank you, Bill. Appreciate your call. Uh, Courtney, a, a lot of frustration around the bus arrival times just being flat out wrong. Uh, explain the system that the CTA uses, because I know that there's a mix of GPS real-time data and scheduled time data. How does that work? Yep, that's right. So Steele told us that the algorithm that fuels those trackers, like you said, is a mix of that real-time data and scheduled base data. And he said the preference is always to use that real-time data whenever it's available. However, that data is only available once a bus or train is on its route. So say there's a train that has not left the station yet, someone waiting down the line for that train is instead seeing that schedule-based information. I see. So not until the train actually pulls off and is in motion does the GPS 
kick in. Right. And and one thing that I would add that I did not know before that Steele told us when you are looking at the tracker, sometimes there's these little radio waves next to the minutes of how long until a bus or train is supposed to come. And that indicates that it's using the real-time GPS tracker. If instead it's using that schedule-based information, there's a little clock icon there. I see. Why not stress to folks that this is an estimate or, you know, alert people that GPS isn't available in those times. I'm just wondering why the why use the scheduled data? I think that's a really good question. And I do wonder how <laughs> other cities do this and and how you could possibly use a higher percentage of your GPS data. One thing I just want to add is that anytime a bus has to pull off of its route, which we know is street construction season mm-hmm. always in Chicago. So anytime say there's a, a, you know, a, a reason that the bus has to turn from its route, it's going to default also then to scheduled data. The GPS tracker, for some reason, doesn't keep with the bus when it goes off its route. And so if you think about it, the number of time buses just take a side street for some reason, you're also going, that's going to mess up your tracker, which surprised me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Let's jump back to the phones. Here's Arvind in River North. Hi, Arvind. Welcome to Reset. Hi, thanks for having me on. I guess I wanted to kind of piggyback off the last comments regarding technology and trackers. And I feel there's like a system-wide underinvestment in technology as compared to kind of our European neighbors. For example, like automated trains on some of our uh, um, train lines and, um, you know, thinking about new lines strategically or integration of Metra and PACE. Uh, It just seems like there are so many areas are improving from a technological basis, but we're kind of just doing Band-Aid solutions here and there. Yeah. I mean, any thoughts on, on that or th- that you heard from Steele? Like, what, what are they doing to really address these discrepancies? Yeah, I would say one thing that he told us is that they don't see this as a technology issue. They see this as a workforce issue. Um, so he says that the trackers are technologically working as they are intended to. Let's go back to the phones. Brian is on the line waiting. Hey, Brian. And Brian is gone. All right. I understand, Brian. Sorry, had you waiting for a while. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've been talking about a WBEZ survey, if you're just tuning in. It's of CTA riders, and it was just released today. Uh, Thousands of folks responded. We took their questions about ghost buses, delays, how the transit system is dealing with staffing, safety issues, all the things under the sun. And we put them to CTA leadership. With me is WBEZ's Cassie Walker-Burke and Courtney Kippers. And we're also taking your calls about your CTA experience. Again, that number is 866-911. Five WBEZ. Still a few more minutes to uh, get your calls in there. Uh, I want to jump back to uh, to staffing just because of your last response there, uh, Courtney. Um, let's listen a little bit more to Brian Steele talking about how the CTA is making adjustments to their hiring practices. Like a lot of entities, we've actually changed some of our workforce and hiring rules. Uh, for example, we used to hire bus operators initially into part-time positions and then let them transition to full-time positions once they, once they became familiar with operations and routes. We now hire full-time bus operators directly. That's more appealing to candidates. Uh, we've brought back a number of retirees. Uh, men and women with huge institutional knowledge about the CTA who have come back uh, for uh, positions at the CTA to share their knowledge, to train new employees. 
Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Cassie, the job fairs, they're, they're making adjustments to that now and sort of helping you with the licensing uh, process. But I was surprised about the whole part-time, full-time thing. I thought bus drivers were hired full-time. Guess not. So, I mean, is this, you think, going to make an impact? I hope so. I, I think that clearly the agency sees this as the the path forward to deal with some of these issues. You know, something else that was interesting during the reporting of this that I did not know is that across the country, the average age of a public transit employee is somewhere in the mid-50s. And that on a whole, there were more retirements and resignations than the agency had forecast. And I thought that was just an interesting, and apparently that's something that happens in other cities, but apparently, I, I thought that was just a very interesting phenomena that was also playing out here. Yeah, and we, I mean, to that end, respondents, Courtney, they seem to be very hyper-focused on how are you going to retain staff? How are you going to keep people around? Did you ask Steele? Yeah, we did. We talked to Steele about that. Uh, People asked us a lot. And we heard from CTA employees themselves who asked us about this. And so Steele told us that in addition to the hiring incentives that they've rolled out, they also now are offering retention incentives, which he said works like this. For every six months that someone's on the job, they get a financial payment based on the number of hours they worked. Uh, And he really touted this as a way that they are trying to keep people. Uh, Like Cassie said, there have been a lot of retirements, but also a product of the great resignation. A lot of folks leaving uh, for commercial driving positions. That being said, you mentioned the great resignation. I'm, I'm thinking of mental health, right? That was a huge, huge, I mean, obviously pushed to the forefront over the last three years. Did respondents want to know about that, how the CTA plans on addressing mental health with this staff? They did. And one thing that that came up very clearly in this is that certainly riders themselves felt like there was this level of sort of harassment and mayhem that was happening on trains um, and buses, I I think, in some ways more so trains. But then we also heard from CTA staff themselves who had been targeted by that and who, you know, wanted sort of more training and how to disarm unruly passengers, let's say. And so I think that just thinking about the job and what it requires you to do and how close, think about riding a bus and how much contact the bus driver is in, in with the with the passengers. I, I think that, that there's definitely a, a sort of wear and tear on the staff. Yeah. Let's go back to the phones, Cassie. Here's Carol in Oak Park. Hey, Carol. Welcome to Reset. Um, I'm 78 years old and I'm a avid TTA rider. Um, and I agree, and I've had the same experiences callers have had and the people who have um, answered your questionnaire. But I think what we have missing is that we're asking public transportation and, to some extent, public libraries to deal with a larger social issue of homelessness, mentally ill people. And in some ways, um, they were never set up to deal with that. I, sometimes I'm on the blue line, and I feel like I'm on the homeless express. So yeah. it's it's a bigger issue than just trains and staffing. Thank you, Carol, for sharing that. Cassie? One thing that, and Carol, I think that's a really important note, and thank you for sharing that. And one thing the agency has said is that it is working, doing more outreach with social service social service agencies to to really try to bring in people to help address these issues and i think that that's really an interesting next question yeah. for me is what does that look like 
Yeah. Well, we're almost out of time, folks, but I, I do want to just touch on the safety issue again, because obviously that's sort of the underlying thing that we're hearing here. You know, a lot of folks feeling there there's not a, a visible security or police presence patrolling the trains. I know that there is a special CPD unit that's dedicated to the CTA, um, and the CTA does have uh, massive increases in, in spending, including its, in its budget for this year, for private security forces. So folks will probably welcome all of this increased surveillance, but did the CTA address those concerns and maybe the fact that there might be some over-policing happening? Yeah, that's certainly something that we heard from riders. Riders are concerned about safety, and like you said, they want more visible security. But they're also concerned about over-policing, especially when it comes to things like smoking, for example. Riders think that there's too much smoking uh, on trains, but they also want a way to curb that without increasing police presence. Uh, But right now, CTA says the answer to smoking is more citations. So that's one of the places that you're hearing uh, a little back and forth between riders and the agency. We'll leave it there. Very good information here, folks. That's WBEZ's Courtney Kippers and Cassie Walker-Burke. Read their full story at wbez.org slash CTA Answers. Thank you both.